At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is The Edge with Jonathan Von Tobel and Matt Humans on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is The Edge here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Good show on tap today. Smart people on tap today for the program. Coming up 15 minutes from now, Howard Bender is going to be with us. Of course, host Series 6 of Fantasy. You can follow him on Twitter at RotoBuzzGuy. Uh, head of content, by the way, over at Fantasy Alarm. You can find some work in the New York Post sports section. Uh, but Howard's going to be with us to discuss Wild Card Weekend from a props perspective. So we'll talk about some individual player numbers, uh, tie in the weather reports and everything like that. What we're going to expect from all these games from an individual player standpoint, see if we can find some value in the prop market. And then Aaron Rinning will join us at ER Sports 1, professional handicapper. He's got some thoughts on the uh, National Football League and some of the big primetime games tonight in the association. Now, I wanted to open up with uh, some of the breaking news that comes out of the NFL, and we won't spend a lot of time on this because there's not like a major gambling aspect to it whatsoever, but it's newsworthy and it's worth mentioning before we get into the start of the show, which is, of course, uh, that David Culley has been fired as head coach of the Houston Texans. And I was somewhat surprised by this. You know, it's, it's Flores and it's Cully that I was relatively surprised by in terms of the firing. And I'm not, uh, not to say that I was in love with David Cully's head coach, right? I was just telling Mike Pritchard right before he left that there were times in terms of game management that I thought Cully really left a lot to be desired. He was uber conservative. Uh, of course, you know, right, the cardinal sin of punting in opponent territory, especially in fourth and shorts, settling for field goals, especially when you're inside like the 10, five-yard line with about two or three yards to go to a first down. You know, there are a lot of things that I think I, I, that I know. I disagreed with when it came to Cully as a head coach, but at the end of the season and as the season went along, you got to admit that the team kind of played for him, right? When you're looking at some of the numbers from a spread standpoint, they weren't the best team in the world, but eight and nine against the spread. If you look down the stretch, they covered three out of their final four games before Tyrod Taylor got hurt. If you remember at the beginning of the season, started off the year to have um, three and two against the number and we're a relatively like plucky team. They've scored pretty good upset, too, right, against the Los Angeles Chargers. Essentially, you can talk about ruining their season because that was one of the most probable wins for the Houston Chargers, excuse me, for the Los Angeles Chargers on their schedule, and they ultimately don't get it. So I just don't know what the Texans were expecting out of Cully this season, but at the end of the day, you know, bad franchise in a bad spot. We knew that they were going to be pretty poor, and they fall right on their win total of four. But regardless, the Houston Texans are going to be looking for a new head coach. And as I talked about with Pritchard, Who's going to want this job? Like, if you have your choice of jobs out in the National Football League, the only thing that you have in terms of, like, actual currency 
in the NFL draft is a dude who hasn't been traded yet in Deshaun Watson. So regardless, worth noting to all of you out there who hadn't seen the news that one David Culley has been fired. Houston Texans next year will be looking for a new head coach. Will they be looking for a new quarterback, though? That's the thing. Davis Mills looked pretty good this year. All right. With that, allows us to get into a wild card weekend. Take a look at some of the odds around the board. We haven't seen a really big change in terms of uh, what we have seen for Wild Card Weekend, right? Uh, if you're talking about like odd changes, number changes, things of those nature, hasn't been a big shift in, in much of anything at this point on the betting board. But wanted to kind of tie in some of these numbers uh, with what we're seeing in terms of the weather and, and how can we we can expect this weekend to play out. And really quickly, the ones that are worth mentioning here at this point right now, uh, for those who haven't been keeping track of the board, Cincinnati in some spots is popping up at five, so the Raiders continue to get some support. It's notable because one of those shops that is sitting at five is Circa right now. And as humans and I have mentioned multiple times on this show, Circa, a sharp book that takes respect to action, probably wouldn't move off of, uh, right, Joe Schmo coming in and laying $20 on the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So that's a move that I think you respect at that point. And then you look across the board, the hook's gone for the Buffalo Bills, which I want to get into that too, uh, well momentarily, because I got to tell you, so I took four and a half with the New England Patriots. And I will say out of the, all of the wagers I have made this weekend, if we're talking about confidence factor, uh, it is waning in the New England Patriots, but I'll get to that momentarily. And the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers also at Circa, down to eight. So that's worth noting, too. Total of 46.5, some weather to discuss there. Dallas, three, minus 120 or 115, depending on where you look across the board. And then the rest uh, remains the same. Kansas City, 12.5, and, and then the Los Angeles Rams sitting at four. So let's discuss uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles really quickly, just from a weather perspective, uh, because uh, – as I mentioned, I'm on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. think they do have a matchup that works in their favor. Their defense, by the way, is getting healthier, and it looks like LeGarrette Blunt is going to come back. So that's something that also works in the favor of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, but it does seem like this is going to be a wet and somewhat windy type of day. If you look at some of the uh, weather reports for this contest for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Philadelphia Eagles, Talking about 68 degrees, which isn't that cold, but rain, wind in the range of 18 to 20 miles an hour, which isn't going to help a Buccaneers offense uh, that is going to throw the ball, right, or wants to throw the ball. And the other part of this is, on the flip side, you have a team, as we discussed, the Philadelphia Eagles, who want to run the ball a lot. They want to run the ball as much as they possibly can, as we mentioned yesterday, and do the numbers, leading the league by a wide margin in terms of rushing play percentage and rushing play percentage on first down. So that's how they set everything up. And we know that one guy, that guy right there, Jalen Hurts, performs really well off of play action. So I'm really curious to see, like, sometimes rain doesn't really affect things. It's the wind that really does it a lot. You know, rain can if it's like a monsoon. And we're talking about, remember, the San Francisco-Indianapolis uh, game earlier this year where it was just a downpour. And the Indianapolis Colts and the San Francisco 49ers couldn't hold on to the ball. Carson Wentz in that game, I think, committed like four turnover-worthy plays. Uh, ended up not throwing an interception, of course. That's what's important. But we have seen right now, you know, you see Philly and Tampa Bay in terms of the total. You're down to as low as 45-and-a-half at a couple of shops here with the total between these two. And I think, that obviously, the way that these games are going to get played, but also the way that the weather might dictate what happens in this contest is why we've seen this fall as far as it has. So, again, wind and rain. The wind is, the more to me, the more important factor here. And we're talking about winds of 18 to 20 miles an hour. So that's worth noting as you're getting out and handicapping and wondering maybe why that total has dropped as much. Uh, the other contest, too, you know, we haven't really seen a lot that I think is going to change much, right? You know, I, I've heard a lot about, uh, hey, you know, the temperature – and the weather between New England and Buffalo. But we're still talking about only four-mile-an-hour wins for this game between the Bills and the Patriots coming up this weekend on Saturday. And this leads me to kind of my trepidation uh, when it comes to 
Mac Jones, the New England Patriots, and this matchup here between these two because it is stuck in my mind, right, and bothered me that, hey, you know, why would the market, as we've discussed before, move that full point and a half from the threes that we saw in the first two matchups to four and a half here at the reopen with the Bills in this rematch between these two, right? No real key injuries between the two of them. Like, we haven't seen anything dramatic between the two. Like, so why would you either one, you know, um, worse than the power rating for the New England Patriots or to improve the power rating for the Buffalo Bills by a point and a half if that's going to be the case. And part of it, because uh, to be fair, there has been, I guess, a slight change here, and that would be that Mac Jones down the stretch for the New England Patriots really hasn't played that well. And I, and I think that's fair to say. If you're looking at him last four games of the season, well, actually, we'll do the last five. Uh, games of the season for the New England Patriots rookie quarterback. He had one good performance. That was the Jacksonville Jaguars. He threw three touchdowns, no interceptions, completed 73% of his passes, right, for 227 yards. But if you look at the last five games as a whole for Mac Jones, we're talking about six touchdowns to five interceptions, a yards per attempt of just about 6.8, an adjusted yards per attempt of essentially six flat. And we're talking about just 190.2 yards per game through the air. And while there is no win to speak of in this game, you do wonder if Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, who have been uber conservative uh, in really big situations with Mac Jones, i.e. that Monday night game and other spots, like what this passing attack looks like. Because if you're Sean McDermott of the Buffalo Bills, the goal is going to be stop this rushing attack because they are still rushing, like running the ball extremely well, the New England Patriots. And Damian Harris, I saw there was like some hubbub because Damian Harris, uh, by the PFF grades, I think actually edged out Jonathan Taylor as best running back in the NFL this year. And again, it's just by him, like right, by just by runner. Even Matt Santos looking at me like, are you serious? Well, Jonathan Taylor arguably, though, had the better offensive line in front of him. And so when you're talking about like yards before contact, all of these things, the best like pure runner and his assignments, all of those seem to be Damian Harris and broke off some pretty big runs against the Buffalo Bills, and that's still a matchup issue. But I think at the end of the day, what has gotten me like off of this, not even off because I can't, I bet it, but what has given me a little pause here has been Mac Jones, and it's just been realizing that Josh, like Josh Allen, the volatility is there, but the highs are super high, man. And those plays, like those big ones, whether it's going to be the big throws downfield or the turnover-worthy plays that he commits, they're going to be extremely important. But I just feel like when I've – the more I've dived in – dove? Dived? Divin? Uh, when, the more I got into the numbers for the New England Patriots, especially defensively, pass rush hasn't been there as much. The defense hasn't been as solid down the stretch as it once was at the beginning of the year. And when you, it's just a bad taste in your mouth. When you lose three out of the last four games going into the postseason, right, you kind of limp into the year, kind of sucks when you're talking about a team that you wagered on at that point right there. So, again, can't do anything with a ticket, but I do find it interesting. And outside of that, nothing to report in terms of weather. All these other games are going to be relatively simple. Like, if, if you're throwing out weather in Las Vegas and Cincinnati, it's a fool's errand because there's nothing going on there. It's going to be 30 degrees. There's not a lot of wind, no precipitation. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's no weather in the Dallas game because that's being played in a dome. Same thing with Los Angeles. So, yeah, and I've come more. We talked about that yesterday really quickly. I have come more on the side of the Dallas Cowboys against San Francisco. Like that passing attack against the 49ers. I, I get it that San Francisco comes into the postseason playing extremely well. But from a matchup perspective, don't really love it. All right. Hey, really quickly, and we'll get more of that on Football Friday. Uh, the other news coming out of the day, and this is NBA related. It's not big, but it's worth mentioning uh, that we did get a trade. The Hawks have decided to trade Cam Reddish to the New York Knicks for a first-round pick. Uh, hardcore, like not hardcore, I guess, but the, the real talk, I think, is about the fact that 
the Atlanta the Atlanta Hawks have compiled another first round pick to potentially use. It's protected one through eighteen. The other part of this is the New York Knicks Infinity Gauntlet. It is almost complete. They got R.J. Barrett. They got Cam Reddish. Now they just need Zion Williamson to complete the Duke, uh, the, uh, the Duke Infinity Gauntlet and get all three of those two together. Maybe that's the whole point, huh? All right. Hey, if you missed out on any part of our show, anything on the v schedule today, anything in the future, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcasts. You can catch replays of all of our shows, or you can download and listen on your schedule. Go to v slash podcast, get beating the book with Gail Alexander, or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers. New episode tomorrow, Drew Hill of the Daily Memphis is going to be on the uh, Hardwood Handicappers episodes. We discuss the Memphis Grizzlies insane run. Lombardi line, follow the money. My guys in the desert, coast to coast hoops, and many more. All free and available now at vston.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we'll come back. We got plenty left to get to here on the program. When we return, Howard Bender, head of content at Fantasy Alarm. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. DraftKings Sportsbook is bringing back Hammer the Over. For the wild card round, you, the fans, have the power. For every 5,000 people who bet the over in the Patriots versus the Bills, the line drops by a half point. You control how low the total will go. Download that app now and hammer the over down. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available to play in select states. Must be 21. Eligibility restrictions apply. Void were prohibited. See DraftKings.com for details. Got to get more friends. Got to get friends. That's the starting point, right? Not even more. Just got to get a couple. Howard Bender is nice enough to give us some time today. A man, I am assuming, has a lot of friends. Very jovial dude. Haven't talked to him for a minute. You can follow him on Twitter at RotoBuzzGuy. Howard, how have you been, man? JVT, it's been so long. Um, I've been great. Um, I have no friends, though. Sorry. Yeah. Hey, man, I just had my second kid, and I was talking to my wife this morning uh, through tears of happiness. I swear uh, that, man, our lives are over, and this is all it, huh? This is all it's going to be. All right. Uh, Before I just go down that wormhole, let's talk some football. So I want to start with the top of the game, uh, the board at the top of the rotation. We'll work our way around through some of these contests. But let's discuss Raiders and Bengals. And, you know, obviously, and I think you can speak to this, Howard, when you're talking about props, you know, as a prop better, and you can correct me on this, uh, but my philosophy, you handicap the game, and from there, you handicap your angle on how some of these props would go. Like, for me, for example, I bet this game under the total. I think this might be a lower-scoring game, so for me, that shades how I'm viewing some of these proposition bets. Is that generally the philosophy that you roll with? 
Yeah, you know, you have to do that with any time you're, you're betting props is you have to handicap the the entire game, figure out what the game flow is that you're expecting uh, and, and kind of pick from there. I mean, it's it's great starting with this uh, uh, with this Raiders game here because I'm actually looking at that and I'm looking at what the Raiders have been doing with Josh Jacobs. And, you know, I, I look at this game here and just from a straight up standpoint. Um, I see this game going a lot closer than a lot of people think. Everybody thinks that the Bengals are going to be this run and gun team. And, you know, yeah, we've seen great stuff from Burrow and, uh, and chase and T Higgins, but you know, look at, look at what the, uh, the, the Bengals have done in the past, or at least to get themselves to that spot. And they've been running the ball heavily. And then the Raiders here towards the tail end of the season have been doing the exact same thing um, in recent weeks. And they've found the success that comes with that as well. So um, you know, I look at the, the the prop here and I see, you know, Joe Mixon and I see uh, Josh Jacobs and, and their rushing yards and stuff. And, you know, Jacobs, I look at it at 59 and a half uh, and, and I like the over on that one there because I think he gets the touches. But then I look at Joe Mixon and I'm like, hmm, 19 and a half carries. It's not a it's not a total that he's hit a lot. But and for the same token, if the Bengals are thinking about. Uh, you know, if, if they do panic a little bit, because they are they're a young team, they're 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 not playoff experienced by any stretch of the imagination. If things aren't going their way, I could definitely see them sort of abandoning the run a little bit more. So Jacobs on the over for his rushing yards, mixing on his under for his rushing attempts. So, you know, it's interesting you say that because when I was looking at this, you, you mentioned and that was one of the props that stuck out to me, right, was rushing attempts for Joe Mixon because you're right. You know, this is not a guy that's going to hit that mark a lot. He went over 24 uh, times. He hit exactly 20 in Chicago, the Minnesota, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Las Vegas Raiders. And, and that's what I find pretty fascinating about this matchup. Howard is when you look at the first time these two played, Max Crosby and that front that front four were able to rush without blitzing. They were able to get pressure on Joe Burrow, and you saw the shift in philosophy for Cincinnati, where they're like, "We got to run the ball. Like we got to get the pressure off Burrow. Let's start doing this." Like I, I wonder if the fact that the Raiders aren't going to blitz that much not only alters what you're going to see from Mixon, but what you're going to see from Joe Burrow in terms of passing yardage and passing attempts. Yeah, it's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. But you know, again, another thing is is that this is a second look that yeah. that we're getting here from these coaches. Are they going to go back and do the same thing? Are they going to make those necessary, you know, th- those adjustments that they made before and 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 kind of do that? I just I feel like I feel like all the pressure here is on Cincinnati and and for that I think that they end up uh throwing the ball a lot more in the end because I think that they're uh, I think they're hyper-concerned about blowing this game. Yep. All right, let's go to the Raiders side of things really quickly before we move on to the next games. Uh, Darren Waller and the fact that he's going to be out there for the Las Vegas Raiders, potentially limited in practice on Wednesday. What do you make of, because I'm always like philosophy NBA-wise, as a lot of people expect, when a guy comes back, star comes back, boom, impact is media. Sometimes it, it, it takes a game. I get it's a playoff game, but are the numbers shaded a little too high just because Waller's going to be out there? We're talking about some receiving yards for Waller uh, in the range of like uh, the high 50s. What do you expect from him? I actually, I expect him to get fed a ton of targets okay. in this one here. Um, you know, Cincinnati, if you uh, if you're just looking at their their coverage numbers, DVOA uh, against the uh, against the tight end position, even if you wanted to just throw like the fantasy angle on it and show that they they gave up the fifth most uh, fantasy points per game to the tight end position. So you know, Waller had his game back last week, right? They gave him a, a couple of targets. They gave him some looks. Um, he is the bread and butter for this passing attack. And, you know, while Hunter Renfro filled in real nicely, man, getting a target 
the size of Darren Waller out there, I think, is going to be a great mismatch here uh, in coverage. So I'm actually looking at uh, at some over on his uh, on his passing yards. And I actually I didn't even see what his reception total was, but I'm thinking the over. Yeah, 58 and a half or 59 and a half, depending on where you shop for the, uh, the yardage. And I think for total receptions at this point right now, I've got in front of me at least on one screen four and a half. Uh, shaded to the over about a buck sixty. All right, Howard Bender with us. You can follow him on Twitter at Roto Buzz Guy. So it's a deep card, obviously for Wild Card Weekend. Uh, I'll let you take us wherever you want in terms of the games. Is there a bigger edge that you have found one way or the other into this prop market for any of the games on Wild Card Weekend? Um, is there a place? You know what? I mean, I'm. You know, you got to look at this at this uh, Bucks Eagles yeah. uh, matchup here. You know, from a from a straight up you know standpoint here. Um, I favor the Bucks. I actually am, am looking at laying the points there. I, I don't like laying. Uh, I'm seeing nine and a half now. I don't like laying that many points. But you know, you can look at the Eagles in certain ways that they uh, that they fall short. So uh, you know, it's it's the adjusting on the props for guys like Rob Gronkowski. Eagles can't cover the tight end at all. So I look at Gronk's uh, his receiving yards. I look at his uh, his receptions. Um, but you know what? I'll tell you what. The one that I love the most here. Um, how about a Cameron Brait anytime touchdown at plus four hundred? Right. I mean, what's wrong with that? <laughs> no, I like it. if they if they're going to have trouble. And here's the thing. This is one thing I brought up at the beginning. You know, near the end of the season, Buccaneers wide receiving core is kind of in shambles, right? Like you lose Godwin, Antonio Brown's that out there. That would lead to now against a defense like this, right? More targets for both guys, not just Gronkowski. Yeah. Oh, I think that that's definitely what we've seen. And we saw, you know, this past week, yeah, Gronk got the, uh, got the, the focal point as far as targets and yardage went, but who got the red zone look yep. who, who ended up with the touchdown? It was Cameron Bray. And, uh, and from everything that we've seen, once they get, once the bucks get inside that, that 10 yard line, once they're inside the red zone, the green zone for that matter, um, you know, Gronk does a he does a good job of 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 blocking here, maybe even a little bit better than that of Cameron Brait. So while everybody's paying attention to Gronk, thinking that's where Brady's going to go, you see Brait doing a lot more block and release inside that area, um, and he ends up being the guy who's getting the touchdowns. All right, what do you make of Jalen Hurts? Because uh, this is not a guy who regularly throws for over 200 yards, but they're taking on a front seven that can stymie the run relatively well. And if that happens, that means maybe they're forced to throw more. What do we do with 197 and a half yards passing? Because I tend to think under just because I think they want to run the ball, but I also don't think they will, which makes me think, well, that means he might be forced to go over that. I feel like the over is is what we're looking at here. I think I definitely think Philadelphia wants to try and run the ball. They're getting Miles Sanders back. Uh, you know, Hertz will want to take off as much. But I mean, listen, there's one thing that we've seen: you don't run on the Tampa Bay defense, and where is their biggest? Uh, shortcoming it is in their secondary. So, you know, you're, you're also not going to be looking at, at a team who's going to be trying to run the ball when they're down, you know, 24 to three at the, uh, at the half. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. Tom Brady at home has been ridiculous. So yeah, I look to, uh, I, I look to see uh, a, a little bit more throwing out of Jalen hurts in this one. So yeah, I'd, I'd look at the over on that prop. All right. From there really quickly, before we get you out of here, we're talking with uh, Howard Bender last couple of minutes here on the edge. Uh, what do you do in this uh, Patriots and bills game? Cause I'm pretty, I'm, I'm really interested. Josh Allen, we got rushing proud, rushing attempts over six and a half at minus one fifty, and then on the flip side, you get Mac Jones, who did not play well in three out of the last four games, with just a passing yard prop of two hundred two and a half. What do you make of the two quarterbacks? Oh, you know, I got to tell you, you know, passing yards for both, I'm kind of leaning on the under. You know, I mean, listen, these temperatures are going to be absolutely freezing. Both teams are going to want to run the ball. We've seen Buffalo do that a lot more. 
you know, in recent weeks, using Devin Singletary a lot more heavily here. I mean, the last thing Bill Belichick really wants to do is put the ball in Mac Jones's hands, uh, especially when you've seen uh, Damian, you know, Damian Harris, what, rush for over 100 yards in both games, yep. uh, losing effort or a winning effort. It's been a lot of running against Buffalo. So I, I don't see Mac Jones hitting the over uh, even remotely on that. And I'm going to look and see what the wins are like. Uh, in Buffalo that morning because that's going to be a, a key factor there. But I'm looking at his passing yards prop and I see 244 and a half. Uh, that one kind of uh, that I, I want to kind of tilt on the under. And then I look at his rushing yards and it's 40 and a half. Uh, you know, I don't necessarily know if I want to hit the over on that one, but I mean, I might, if there are heavy wins, I might lean on the over there for Josh Allen. Okay. And again, Howard Bender, Rotobuzz guy up on Twitter, fantasy alarm writer for the New York post. Hey, it's good to talk to you, Howard. Thank you for the time. Good luck this weekend. Always a pleasure to talk to you, JVT. Good luck with the second kid. <laughs> Thanks. I need it, man. Oh boy. Oh, boy. All right, I got 30 seconds to get through this. So let me just tell you about this kid. No. All right. (laughs) This is going to become like a a confessional. Just going to sit here and talk to you guys. Hopefully my wife's not listening. Actually, hope she is. I mean, she gets a break, huh? All right, we'll come back. We have plenty left to get to. A man who knows a lot about rearing children. Aaron Renning is going to join us next uh, after some tips from ER about how to handle the two kids. Uh, We're going to get some tips on the NBA board tonight because it's a pretty interesting one. Uh, Like, there's a lot going on, uh, including really good match between the Golden State Warriors and the Milwaukee Bucks. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Welcome back. Segment of The Edge is brought to you by Zen Nicotine Pouches, a fresh way to enjoy nicotine without all the baggage of cigarettes, dip, or vape. No more smelling like an ashtray. No more spit cups. No batteries to charge or leaky equipment to deal with. Zen Nicotine Pouches are smoke-free, spit-free, and available in 10 varieties like spearmint, wintergreen, citrus, and many more. We found yesterday coffee. Right? That was one of them. And for your convenience, each variety comes in two strengths, so you can easily find the satisfaction level that's perfect for you. Zen, America's number one nicotine pouch, available in over 100,000 locations nationwide, meaning it's never been easier to find your Zen. So head on over to zen.com slash find, locate a store near you, that's zyn.com slash find. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. All right, let's welcome in Aaron Renning, a man who needs no help finding his Zen. You can follow him on Twitter at ER Sports One. Aaron, good to talk to you, bud. Uh, really quickly, before we get to tonight and the weekend, uh, let's rewind it to last night and, and really just some big picture stuff with the team that went on a 47-10 to 10 run yesterday in the third to fourth quarter. That would be the Brooklyn Nets, who beat up on the Chicago Bulls yesterday. Uh, what have you made of this now dynamic where, hey, we have Kyrie Irving on the road, now we're coming back home to take on the Thunder, and Kyrie's not going to be available. Hey, uh, good to be with you, JVT. Um, yeah, it was certainly an interesting game, interesting handicap. I had actually had a couple of people um, who had reached out to me and or just, you know, talked with me about, hey, you know, should I be betting the Chicago Bulls on the Eastern Conference futures or the NBA final futures, et cetera? And, um, you know, I basically said, you know, to me, they're just not going to be in that class um Mm -hmm. uh, of the nets uh, or the bucks and you know a good rule of thumb is always you know take the top three players of each team you know and and they they need to be close or at least better um as you move into an nba playoff series or or series to kind of predict that and um 
you know, to me, the Bulls are just not uh, of that page. I think if you watch that game last night, you just see the class difference of a Harden to a Levine, a DeRozan, uh, to a Durant, et cetera. Um, you know, where the Bulls would be able to come up and improve would have to make some uh, sort of trade to get into that realm of those teams. I just don't think they're there of that. I think they're going to be a very good regular season game, or I'm sorry, team, Billy Don- Donovan is a good regular season coach. He's not mm-hmm. a great postseason coach as well. So I think you saw basically uh, what you'd see uh, essentially in the playoffs with those two teams. I mean, not every game, but over a seven-game series. And, yeah, you know, that's the regular season because then Brooklyn comes in. Um, you know, you could kind of probably see what was the certainly the side. I mean, obviously the NBA is trying to do away with four games and five nights, but the Nets are in that situation yep. uh, due to the COVID rescheduling. You pretty much knew KD was going to miss. And yeah, I was one of them that went ahead and, you know, grabbed plus what, eight and a half, nine points this morning. Yeah, and if you look at the the way that these uh, this team has had to crisscross the country, played in Brooklyn that had a second leg of a back-to-back in Portland, then they go to Chicago, and then they're back home, as you mentioned. So it's been quite the journey oh, here for the Brooklyn yeah. Nets. Um, it really quickly, too, I mean, it's fun. I, I'm curious to see how the Nets handle this big picture-wise ER, because if this carries on into the postseason, you know, if you're Brooklyn, you're like, you know what, Chicago, Milwaukee, you take the top two seeds, because that means more games of Kyrie Irving for you guys. <laughs> That's actually... Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, they might want to uh, fold up into the eight seed. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. we, get into the, uh, we get into the playoffs. No, that's uh, it is interesting. And, you know, let's be honest. At the start of the season, uh, back in mid uh, October, I would say, you know, at that point where COVID was, you you pretty, you know, I felt pretty confident that by the end of, you know, by the time you got into April. Uh, in May uh, that, you know, Kyrie would be playing home games in uh, New York City. But obviously that table is turned upside down uh, since then. And, yeah, won't, won't exactly look promising as we get into April and May. All right, let's get to some of the uh, the big contests here on the NBA card. First up, that's Golden State on the road against Milwaukee. Warriors, a little bit of a slump here. They're 2-3 and three straight up, 1-4 and four against the spread their last five. Dating back to their matchup with the Suns the first time around, ER, they're 12-8 and eight and 8-12 eight and 12 ATS. Uh, they've, they've got barely a plus net rating over that stretch, too, about plus 3.2. So, you know, they're, they're an average team over the last 20 games or so, and it kind of coincides with a little bit of a slump here from Steph Curry. What do you make of this matchup? Because on the flip side, you get Milwaukee and the Bucks aren't playing really well. Uh, you also get no Drew Holiday, so it's an interesting little contest here. Bucks one and a half total right now, floating around that two twenty four and a half range. Yeah, obviously great matchup. You know, it's always a shame when you don't have you know the both teams at a hundred percent. Golden State, no Draymond Green. Obviously the yep. Bulls, Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday probably means a little bit more uh, actually to me uh, to the Milwaukee Bucks, especially George Hill. They, I see they did upgrade him to questionable. Uh, both teams struggle a little bit. I, it's not that surprising to me with the Warriors. I had them power rated through the roof. They just couldn't really play, uh, you know, <laughs> that much better. And I, you know, I didn't even increase their power rating when Clay Thompson came back. I thought the rest of those guards and forwards have played very well uh, this year. It was going to take some time for Clay to come into the fold. He played well the other night against Memphis, 17, what, 17 points, good mm-hmm. plus minus ratio. Uh, and the Bucks uh, struggling a little bit here as well. They've lost four or five last week to Detroit, back to back in Charlotte. And I think one thing you can take away here. Uh, and uh, and I think a uh, decent way to handicap this game um, when the Bucks went to Charlotte and lost those two games in a row. And again, obviously without their point guard, 
Drew Holiday. Uh, they were without uh, their second point guard in George Hill. Again, Hill was kind of upgraded here tonight, but Charlotte has actually improved very much on defense, and you could see in those games uh, they really got up and, and kind of pressed uh, the guard situation for the Bucks or uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Chris Middleton trying to play the, the point guard uh, in those games and create a lot of turnovers, really got them kind of out what they wanted to, them to do. Uh, but obviously they put that on tape. Uh, it was probably easy for Golden State to see that. And to me, JVT, the Warriors are actually one of the better teams at doing that. They could really frustrate you uh, with Gary Payton Jr., etc. cetera. Uh, they can play you 90 feet, 85 feet or whatever, um, kind of play that press coverage uh, of the guards or their ability, what they do. And, you know, the Warriors are also very good one of the best teams in the NBA going over the last through, uh, you know, number of years at taking away the transition, taking away the easy baskets, which the Bucks are so very good at. Uh, so my, my issue uh, was, you know, the Warriors without Draymond Green or else, um, and, and I did bet this, I'm going to watch this in game and see if I go from there. But if Green was playing, I, I'd be probably involved here with either the Warriors side uh, or this game under the total. All right, I like it. Now, what what have you done? Speaking of uh, power rating perspective, what do you do with Memphis? Like, I, I think what they've been doing is absolutely incredible over these last what twenty four games or so. And one of the things that has stuck out to me are the thing that they've done extremely well. The, the rate at which they're forcing turnovers has skyrocketed, and that has led to a lot of this success for them, especially on the offense. It turns into points for them. They've done a really good job. But to go from worst to first defensively over the span of twenty four games, what do you do with them in this matchup here against Minnesota? Well, fortunately, I was able to make a lot of money off them, JVT. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I did with them. Uh, I, I played it just great. You know, they they underwhelmed. I mean, you were you had it right. I mean, they were essentially the worst defensive team in the NBA uh, until John Morant got hurt, and then everything changed. And I, I didn't account for him uh, when he left that first uh, that first stretch with injury. You know, I, I didn't really downgrade them that much, and I really improved them quickly from a defensive perspective. The thing about this Grizzlies team to me is they're so deep. Uh, I mean, yep. they go 10 or 11 deep. When you lose a guy, even if it's Brooks or uh, Morant or really anybody, Steve, uh, Steven Adams here of late, they just, you don't downgrade them that much uh, because they, you know, they're, you know, whether they bring in Melton uh, or Concord or whatever, they just don't miss that much. And I think, you know, that time missed for Morant was good and he's came in and he's really played a lot better than he did the first uh, month of the season. So, uh, I've, I've been fortunate, you know, I played them kind of right in the totals market, certainly played them right uh, on the side market. The only problem in this game, uh, I am a big fan of both teams. I actually looked mm -hmm. to play uh, Minnesota here. Didn't feel like I was getting enough. One thing to keep in mind here, a little bit of revenge here for the Grizzlies, essentially their worst loss of the year. You go back to November the 20th, uh, way back when Minnesota was a two and a half point favorite, uh, in that game against the Timberwolves at the Timberwolves, uh, Minnesota won 138 to 95. Uh, I mean, one of the bigger regular season blowouts that you will see, uh, against a good team, uh, one of Morant's last games, I believe, before uh, he kind of got hurt. That was kind of rock bottom for this team 
uh, defensively. Uh, leaned under and towards the Grizzlies in this one. Yeah, I can. I, though, uh, I think that was revenge also for me because I was on Minnesota in that first matchup in uh-huh. which, which was catching six, and then Carl Anthony Towns hit a uh, shot at the buzzer to go to overtime, and they ended up losing by seven. So they were exacting revenge for me in that situation. All right, ER. <laughs> hey, we got 30 seconds left, so we're up against it, but I appreciate the time today, man. Thank you. All right, absolutely. Hey, thanks. Have a good one. At ER Sports One up on Twitter. Santos, vague reference. Do you hit your over? No, that's what I thought. All right. We got to listen for that a little bit more. All right. When we come back, we have the last few minutes here on the program. So we'll have best bets. Uh, didn't get anything from humans. Maybe Santos did. So if we do, we'll update anything. So, right, nothing in college hoops today. Uh, so, best bets recap from last night. Nothing to add in the National Football League. We have plenty to discuss on this card in the NBA and more before we get you out of here here on the edge. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is The Edge on VSIN, the sports betting network. Make sure you take advantage of our great new offer. It's going to help you make this your best betting year ever. Our all new Big Game Big Dance special provides VSIN plus all access, everything we do from now through April 5th for only $69. Sign up now, get our daily best bet emails, 24 7 video access, the upcoming big game and college hoops betting guides, plus full access to vsin.com with our exclusive betting split breakdowns on every game. It's one of the most exciting betting seasons of the year, so don't miss out one of the best deals of the year. Visit vsin.com slash big deal to sign up today. All right, let's wrap things up as we usually do here on the edge. Best bets, recaps, look aheads, all that good stuff. Uh, not a lot to get to actually today. Uh, humans didn't have much at all to add. Actually, he didn't have anything to add. Still have NFL, uh, but we'll update that tomorrow on our Football Friday. And uh, yeah, let's get to it. Last night, Jazz minus five and a half against the Cleveland Cavaliers uh, played on the hey, you know what? Backcourt advantage over the frontcourt advantage. Not the case. Joe Ingles also. Uh, Got injured, left the game early in that contest, too. So an extremely shorthanded Jazz team ultimately cannot lose that game outright comfortably. Fall to 53-35 on the year. So we move on from there on the primetime game that will be tonight in the association. Milwaukee Bucks uh, against the um, Golden State Warriors. 
Did I send that one into you, right? Or no? Either way, we'll verbally command. Uh, yeah, uh, minus one and a half for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and lay it with the Milwaukee Bucks here tonight against the Golden State Warriors. Uh, give this a shot here. Draymond Green does mean something to me defensively. Uh, he has done a great job for that team. If you look at the numbers uh, for him on the court, and I do think that the, uh, what changed the mind for me was George Hill getting upgraded questionable. Looks like he might be able to give it a go here today. Upcourt upgraded for the Milwaukee Bucks. Who it's a great point by Aaron Redding. Uh, the absence of a real tr- like presence at guard. Um, for the Milwaukee Bucks against Charlotte really bothered him, but looks like he'll will be out there. So short price uh, for a Warriors team that is missing one of their more important pieces. So either way, it's going to be a fun game tonight. Uh, humans, just to recap from last night, a 15-point loss for Nevada, one-and-a-half-point underdog. So Boise State gets the victory. Nevada does not get the cash there in college hoops. Not going to update. It's the same plays, National Football League for both of us, and you've seen those throughout the week. And if you want to check those out, go to vcin.com. You can check out all the best bets you have. Or, you know what you do? You sign up for the newsletter, and you get two in your mailbox. And guess what? I think one of those, they have, like, all the bets from throughout the week. So it's a really good way. You can go back and look, not only this show, but every single one of the shows here on vSIN. So a couple of things to talk about here. Uh, and I, I can't wait, to because tomorrow um, the new episode, Hardwood Handicappers, Drew Hill is going to be uh, on the show. Drew Hill, of course, covers the Memphis Grizzlies for the uh, Daily Memphis. So we're going to get into, um, of course, the Grizzlies and this run that they have been on over the last month or so to reiterate what we have seen from the Memphis Grizzlies who tonight are four-point favorites with a total of 231 over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Grizzlies come into today 10-0 straight up, 9-1 against the spread in their last 10 games. Over the last 24 games, the Grizzlies are 20-4 straight up, 18-6 against the spread. They lead the league in net rating. They've outscored their opponents by 12.5 points per 100 possessions in non-garbage time minutes and defensive efficiency 103.2. And when they play Golden State, pretty good defensive rating for them, 104.9, forced a turnover on 16.5% of the possessions. And I wrote about this today and wrote about it in Point Spread Weekly. And the fascinating thing about the Memphis Grizzlies is the, the turning the ball over and the way that they have turned the ball over um, at the rate they have turned it over, right, over these 24 games that we're talking about, uh, lead the league in terms of turnover rate defensively. It has been such a big reason why they have been able uh, to run off this big amount of wins. And the fact that they're an extremely deep team, too. They've done a great job in building that team up through the draft and development. But if you look at this, you're talking about a team that is turning the ball over those 24 games over well over 16.5% of the time against opponents. And also, this is kind of like a really specific stat, but it speaks to what the Grizzlies have been doing. Third in points added per 100 possessions through transition plays that come off of steals. So essentially, they improve their offensive rating in transition off of steals by 2.3 points every 100 possessions. Like, it's a really good situation to be in, right? Turnovers most of the times are going to more than likely lead to points, or they have a high probability of leading to points. So not only are you stealing possessions, but you're getting a possession that is a high probability of ending in a score for you, and the Grizzlies are forcing turnovers like nobody's business lately. So... The sustainability of that, I don't know. But tonight, against the Timberwolves, Timberwolves turned the ball over at a relatively high rate. They also give up quite a few uh, three-point shots. So um, this is a really good matchup. The market got to as high as five and a half today, made its way back down to four we're looking at right now. I would kind of agree with, like, look, the Grizzlies are probably at the peak in terms of their power rating at this point. But I've said it multiple times, like, in the the, uh, article. Why would you want to get in front of the train? Like you, I kind of want to see it get derailed first as opposed to trying to jump in front and guessing when the Grizzlies are going to fall off here. But really good matchup tonight between Memphis and Minnesota. Again, Grizzlies four with a total of 231. That total up, by the way, about three points depending on where you shop. Clippers and Pelicans later tonight, too. Pelicans opened up two and a half with a total of 215 and a half. Last time we saw Los Angeles, didn't give it a lot of credit, but uh, Clippers, how about this? When they took on Denver, a 25-point deficit they overcame, ended up winning 87 to 85. But... 
you overcome an 80, you know, you overcome a 25 point deficit because you dig the hole for yourself. They had 28 points in the first half and averaged just over a half point per possession in that first half. The Clippers did against the Denver Nuggets, one of the worst offensive teams in the NBA. And this is pretty interesting because if you look at them, they've been defending pretty well, right? But it's just their offense. Three of the last five games have been held to less than a point per possession. And since losing Paul George, offense are rating a 105.4. Again, one of the worst in the NBA. The offense has been a problem all year long. And you get a Pelicans team that's playing some pretty good basketball. They're 7-5 and five straight up and against the spread in their last 12 games. They're talking about an offensive efficiency rating for the Pelicans that's up to 112.7, which is better uh, than it has been all season long. A negative 0.6 net rating, which is you know average about for a Pelicans team that was one of the worst in the NBA. It's pretty solid. So you understand, too, why this opens up 2.5 and it gets up to three and a half because you get a Pelicans team that's playing some of its best basketball and you get a Clippers team that has been playing some of its worst basketball at this point, especially on the offensive end and still shorthanded, right? Still no Luke Kennard, still no Isaiah Hartenstein for the Los Angeles Clippers. So offense likely hard to come by here. Here's the interesting part about the Pelicans, which is, um, I think, pretty fascinating given the way that they've been playing. And again, like on a game-to-game basis, how you account for this. Um, and you put yourselves in these situations the play, way you play basketball, but... Part of the turnaround for New Orleans lately, the ability to get to the line. They're eighth in free throw rate on the season, but over this 12-game stretch, they're making 24.9 free throws per 100 field goal attempts. Leads the league over that stretch. It's really good. The ability to draw fouls is going to be key, but what's interesting about this matchup is you get a team that's one of the best at drawing fouls and making free throws against one of the best defenses that guards without fouling. This is actually the eighth-best team in terms of foul rate, or excuse me, free throw rate as a defense the Los Angeles Clippers. So you can always find intricate little matchups in, in a lot of these games and how that plays out. My, my initial thought was Clippers, only because if you look at this, right, we're talking about just the other day, used the New Orleans Pelicans at home against the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is a Pelicans team, those three-and-a-half-point underdogs at home to the Minnesota Timberwolves, now laying three-and-a-half against the Los Angeles Clippers and the Clippers team who, given all of their flaws, still one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. And then ER touched on this. But to reiterate the situation for the Brooklyn Nets, uh, who are there are injury situations and um, personnel issues to update here. LaMarcus Aldridge, Nick Claxton, Kevin Durant, ooh, that's important. Uh, Patty Mills, that's important. Joe Harris and, of course, Kyrie Irving are not going to play tonight for the Brooklyn Nets. And this is what the Brooklyn Nets have had to do over the last couple of weeks, over the last like week in terms of travel has been absolutely insane. For those who haven't kept up with what Brooklyn has had to do, they had a two-game homestand. They played Milwaukee, right? They played San Antonio. When they played San Antonio, there was a morning game on Sunday, this past Sunday. They got on a flight, flew out to Portland. So they went from Brooklyn to Portland to play a second leg of a back-to-back. They lost that game to Portland and then got a day off to go travel and then take on the Chicago Bulls last night. So, of course, they had Kyrie Irving on the floor, fully healthy. They blew out the Bulls 138-112, to but it's just been a tough situation. So you're giving some guys some rest here tonight. So it makes sense that you're going to give a couple of guys off of the night off, and it also makes sense that Brooklyn's down to a 5.5-point favorite with a total of 216.5. And, and Oklahoma City, it's going to be pretty interesting here because OKC, they've been a plucky team, but this is a really watered-down number given the lack of personnel that's going to be out there. You know you're going to get James Harden because Harden got the night off in Portland the other day, uh, but – when you're looking at Oklahoma City and how they match up and just catching five and a half, I guess the team that still has some pretty good talent is going to be uh, pretty fascinating. But no, nothing here because you missed out on the best of the number. This was as high as 10 before the news came out. And last but not least, nothing to focus on here because this just looks like a terrible game. And it's in prime time tonight. But the Nuggets up to a 10.5 point favorite against the Portland Trailblazers, mainly because, how about this? Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, 
Norman Powell and Anthony Simons all will miss the game tonight for a variety of reasons. So your starting backcourt trio for the Portland Trailblazers, Dennis Smith Jr., Ben McLemore, and Tony Snell, which is not exactly the best starting trio to have uh, from point guard to small forward if you're going to be out there. So catch a 10.5 against the Denver Nuggets. Nuggets, they blew that massive lead like we talked about, but shouldn't have any excuses, even though you're not going to have Will Barton out there, Nikola Jokic taking on Yusuf Nurkic, and then nothing else because Larry Nance Jr. and Cody Zeller. Seems like they will miss the contest. So Nuggets, rightfully so, 10.5-point favorite against a Portland Trailblazers team that's got really nothing in their backcourt in terms of some offensive upside there. And, uh, boy, have the wheels fallen off. I thought it was weird. The other day, I don't know if you caught this, but uh, it was Chauncey Billups who said Kyrie Irving was, like, the best, like, guy he had seen at that position ever or something along the way. I'm paraphrasing, but it's like Damian Lillard is on your team. It's kind of a weird thing to say out loud, given the fact that you've got that dude uh, running the show. But, hey, maybe he's going to be gone soon. All right, uh, we're all done here uh, tomorrow, a football Friday. So in-depth analysis, a wild card weekend, some great guests as well, and some insight. Hopefully get you some winners. Man, wild card weekend already here, and we get into the division round, hopefully with some victories in the National Football League. We'll see you tomorrow, folks. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.